0: I am Sara Marinelli, and this is Letters to Italy. In this series, I speak with Italian expats in the Bay Area at the time of coronavirus. How has the pandemic reshaped our lives here and our relationship to Italy? If there has ever been a time to look back on our choices and ask the question, where is home? It is now. In this fourth episode, I'm speaking with the Consul General of Italy, Lorenzo Ortona. After almost five years of service in San Francisco, he is ending his tenure here this June. Lorenzo grew up in Rome, beginning his diplomatic career at the Italian Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and serving in a variety of roles and departments, including the Crisis Unit and the Directorate General of the European Union. He also served in diplomatic posts in Brussels and Tel Aviv, before relocating to San Francisco with his wife and two children. To begin our conversation, I ask Lorenzo to travel back in time to the start of the Covid crisis, In March 2020, and to recall some of the most difficult moments that the Italian diaspora faced when Italy was first hit by the pandemic. I pictured a panicky scene at the consulate, with telephones ringing, keyboards clicking, and hundreds of messages, calls for help, and emergencies. And I asked Lorenzo what answers he was able to provide, what solutions he identified, and how he made decisions especially at a time when so much about COVID was still unknown.
1: I think uh, a lot of us will will think about those first weeks in which we had to take some very difficult and dire decisions. I can say from my side, on one level, first and foremost, uh, my family, how to protect them, uh, my wife and my children that live with me here in San Francisco. Secondly, how could I protect the employees at the Italian Consulate General that were all looking up uh, towards me on direction and how they should work and how we should tackle the pandemic that was starting. We, we knew very little, as you know. We know much more Luckily, a year after. I am particularly grateful, first of all, that uh, we managed to keep the Consulate General open every single day. We were not open to the public every single day, but we managed to always come, even if in small groups when there was a complete lockdown in the city, so in the harshest times, we managed to be all safe during this year. And most importantly, we managed as well to serve the Italian community and anyone who had an emergency was supported and helped. So yes, it, it was very hard. It was very complex and there were different layers of complexity uh, according to the challenges that, that, that were coming about in those days. As I mentioned, I worked in the crisis unit for a few years at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And the difference with this crisis is there there was no safe spot. Every country was in danger. Every place was in danger. So it it was very difficult to help and support nationals that maybe were here in the United States on holiday and had to go back to Italy, didn't know. They all wanted to be reassured in some shape or form that they would be safe. And of course, that was not possible. It was possible to a certain extent, but then the risk was always there. I want to recall one of the first crises uh, at the very start with the cruise ships. You might recall that in March 2020, there was a big cruise ship that was then docked in Oakland. There were, of course, Italian nationals as well on that cruise ship. There were many people that were had already been affected by COVID. Nobody knew how to treat them. We didn't know if they were then allowed to come inland to California. And uh, it was a lot of organizational work to, first of all, get them out of the ship, making sure that this didn't represent any kind of danger for, for the local population, and then fly them back to Europe. So the start of the crisis was mainly, I would say, cruise ships. And then... Italian students on exchange programs. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds all over this very, very ample uh, consular jurisdiction. Usually it was minors who were here on exchange student programs and trying to see what could be the best solution for them. At the time, Italy was definitely in a worse situation than the United States, COVID-wise. So was it wise? Go back to Italy, or was it better to leave them here in the United States? How could we best the system? Uh, So, every case was a specific case. Suddenly, the 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 flights became so difficult. So, how to help them as well? Take them back home. You know, for all of us, all the consul generals and the embassy in the United States, it was a very complicated matter. And uh, the first months was really teamwork all together trying to find solutions and trying to bring safely our nationals back to Italy.
0: I wondered about the reverse situation of Italian expats who were in Italy and unable to return to the US.
1: That was uh, That is still actually a, a very complicated problem. It's still not solved. There are still nationals that are with a regular visa and are blocked in Italy. They had to go back uh, when it was still possible and then they were locked and locked in, uh, in, uh, in Italy. On that case, the decisions don't depend from us but from the American authorities and uh, they've been easing the decisions along the months. What we try to do always is when there was a specific case that was particularly complicated, like families that were divided, uh, children that were divided, try to flag out the urgency to find a solution to our American colleagues in Italy.
0: During our conversation, Lorenzo pointed out that he coordinated many of these decisions and efforts with the Italian Embassy in Washington, D.C., and with other consul generals who exchanged ideas and best practices during the early phase of the pandemic. On a more personal level, I asked him how he reacted in watching many Italian businesses being impacted by the crisis and of his response to support the community.
1: particular support consultant for organizations, Italian-American organizations, Italians here who just wanted to, and advice, they wanted help, they wanted to be supported, and and even just businesses that had to close down, restaurants. You know, it was particularly harsh here in in the Bay Area because, as you know, just for the rentals of these places and just to, to be able to work and live in the Bay Area, this is one of the most expensive cities in the world. And so the the fact that suddenly they had to lay down so many people and and could not work and and did not have any kind of of customer that they could have and everyone was scared, it was a huge impact on the economy of the city. And of course, the Italian side was very hard hit. Probably, I would say, the ones linked to the food industry and and hospitality in general. Uh, So hotels or restaurants, those were the ones that suffered most, I would say. What we tried to do was to support them uh, with our social media and uh, initiatives that could help and draw the attention on all that was delivery and takeout and just telling everyone buy Italian and try to support Italian restaurants in the Bay Area. So we did a big campaign on that, especially during the Week of Italian Cuisine in the World, which is in November. I tried to give them as much hope as I could. Many built outdoor structures to host clientele, but then they had to close and then they reopened again. I feel that now we're at a point in which finally they can start looking at at the future in a different way, but not all of them have survived. Many, unfortunately, had to close. Many had to go back to Italy and many have suffered a lot. And it was hard for me to see so many Italians lose their job, had to suffer and had to say goodbye to so many people that were family to them, from waiters to chefs, and they just had to say, I'm sorry, this is too much. I just want to go back to Italy and, you know, this is too far away from me and I can't do it. The part of the community that managed to be more resilient was the one that was here since a longer amount of time. And they had a network. They knew how they could survive in these difficult times. I could mention many, many examples of of how the Italian community here in the Bay Area reacted in an extraordinary way. I'll just mention two examples, and that is the Italian Community Services, one of the longstanding and oldest institutions protecting Italian-Americans here in San Francisco, and the director, Pietro Bonanno, supported by all the board. They managed to, for all these months, to bring food to the elderly people that couldn't go out and buy it or didn't have the means, or or just couldn't get out because of COVID. And they all received the support box in the community, which was really quite extraordinary, I will say. And and it went on for more than a year. And then we had institutions instead that are more recent, like La Scuola, the Italian American School of San Francisco. Well, they were the first uh, among the private schools in San Francisco to be open. As you know, it's been very long for many schools to reopen, and many haven't reopened yet. So I just took two examples, an Italian-American institution that follows mainly the elderly and a new institution that follows the children, because I think to see how the Italian and Italian-American community contributed and reacted to the pandemic was really extraordinary and gave me a lot of hope in the past months.
0: The portrait that Lorenzo depicts of both struggle and resilience is one that I also sketched out through my conversations with members of the community. And of course, there are so many stories untold. Perhaps I can add that if there is one thing that an immigrant does not fear, is the possibility of taking a different path, creating something new, or even starting all over again. In a slight shift of the conversation, we talk about how he juggled his responsibilities here with any personal worry and concern for the COVID crisis in Italy.
1: I have my parents in Italy and I have two sisters and their families. That was a source of anxiety uh, every day for me, like I'm sure for anyone else who had his parents uh, in long away in Italy. We knew we couldn't see them because of COVID. I am very grateful that we had technology that would help us uh, talk to each other every day see each other every day and i think we all played sort of a game in trying to always look better than we felt and downsizing any problem we had because we didn't want the other side to get worried and the summer uh, was the first time in my life that i i couldn't go even for a few days and be with my family see my my nephews and my nieces and see my parents and of course it was very hard but at the same time First of all, putting everyone else in danger by flying from California and going there in the summertime. But as well, it, it, uh, it, it would have not been right. It felt right to be here in San Francisco. There were numerous problems, numerous people that needed support and help. I just could not leave. I, it was very important to be here. And as you may recall, we even organized a referendum in September, believe it or not, which was, uh, of course, uh, uh, it required a lot of energy from all of us, from from all the team at the consulate, uh, to enable all the Italians here in the West Coast to be able to vote, to express their vote. You know, if on one level you feel that you want to be in Italy, you want to be closer to your country once such a tragedy hits, on the other side, I felt I was very close to my country because I was dealing with nationals with problems here in the United States, and I could really make a difference by helping them out. I felt more useful here than there.
0: The words that come to mind as I listen to Lorenzo's yearning to support Italy vicariously by supporting Italians abroad are far away so close. The relationship that a consul general has with their home country while abroad is certainly a special one. Neither an immigrant nor an expat, a diplomat working overseas, is both a citizen of the world and an uber italian, un super italiano. He carries the mission to represent his country, and the homecoming is never questioned. Ties with the homeland not only are never severed, they are reinforced and also enriched through the exchange with the hosting culture. So I asked Lorenzo not where home is, but what aspects of his home country he wanted to represent during his service in California.
1: I always say that to be a representative of Italy abroad is a very complex uh, job because Italy is such a a diverse and rich country that it is really a challenge to try to represent all the country. But I I have to tell you that the love that Californians have for Italy at the start of any conversation is is really extraordinarily remarkable. At the same time, not always the knowledge is, is very deep especially on, on what our economy represents and then what our technology, our high-tech, our innovation, uh, the potentiality it has. So for me, in these five years I've been here, we tried to concentrate on certain verticals of the Italian economy and industry. Italy has an extraordinary pharmaceutical world and life science and research world. And so we, we tried with, with the J.P. Morgan Health every year in January to really bring the best of our startups and, and drawing, out to say, more and more attention from American investors and the American research world towards life science. all these worlds that maybe were not as known to many. And uh, of course, as you said, culture. And through the Italian Cultural Institute and our wonderful director, Anna Maria Di Giorgio, we really tried to do events that could really draw the attention on a more contemporary Italy. This was really the main objective of these years, how how to portray contemporary Italy with all its potentiality, industry, technology and culture.
0: I reflect on how the important endeavours and goals pursued before the pandemic may have become even more relevant now at a time when the Italian economy is slowly recovering and cautiously reopening. In this crucial moment of possibility for new beginnings for the country and also for his career, I invite Lorenzo to imagine writing a letter to Italy.
1: I would take the highest example I can take, and that is the words of um, the Italian President of the Republic, Sergio Mattarella, who by the way honoured us with a visit in 2019, as you know, right before the, the start of the pandemic just recently he said italy was hit very hard by this by this emergency and this pandemic and it showed once again its spirit of democracy unity and cohesion and in a way through these terrible measures that were we had to impose on each, on each other to contain this pandemic we discovered ourselves more closer and more conscious of the fact that we all belong to a community that is capable to rise up against adversities and to renew itself. I think that what we saw in the first part of the pandemic, as you were recalling, when Italy was really the first Western country to fall under this terrible pandemic, no one will ever forget the images of the Italians going on, on, on the terraces, going outside, making music, noise, sounds, Uh, being grateful to doctors. In America, people were writing wonderful letters to me. People called me crying. It was extraordinary. And maybe sometimes being in Italy, we don't realize the power of that action, the power of of how we showed who we are and who we can be. And when Italians are in, in dire situation, they always give the best of themselves. They just reacted by solidarity, by giving each other strength and and giving thanks to the doctors around Italy and around the world. I think if I have to write a letter, this is the message I would give. Let's keep in mind that that is the essential DNA of Italians. That's who we are. We need to keep on reminding ourselves because we will need that spirit now that we need to rebuild the country. Uh, we will need that spirit of cohesion of democracy that the president speaks about that we've showed in this difficult year that is what will help us come out of this tragedy let's remember what we did at the start of this crisis it's gonna be fundamental to be able to rebuild a country that has been hurt in such a strong way we've all had dear ones that we've lost and we gotta we have to overcome together the you know, worst challenge our generation has ever seen. And that would be my letter. Allow me to end this question with a memory that I have that I will never forget. I was uh, at the start of the crisis called many times by the mayor of San Francisco, by the office of the mayor of San Francisco, just to gather data from California and San Francisco on what was happening in Italy. You know, we were really the first to be hit. And then on April 25th, the mayor very kindly decided to illuminate the city hall with the colors of Italy in honor of all the Italians who had passed away already in that month of March and April and the doctors that were fighting COVID. I think this is exactly the example that we gave and that we have to keep on, on giving, and that the mayor of San Francisco understood, appreciated, and honored that night by lighting the city hall. Mm.
0: I have that memory, too. While in those dreadful days of April 2020 I spent nights writing letters home, San Francisco, the city I chose as my other home, was sending its own letter to Italy. It was a symbolic gesture of empathy and solidarity to let Italy and Italians here know that our pain was heard, that we were not alone. When San Francisco's mayor announced a lockdown earlier, than other U.S. cities, we in the Italian community felt a sense of sad relief and even comfort in having our worries and fears validated in a climate of denial. What I hear in Lorenzo's recollection of that memory is also a behind-the-scenes of an ongoing dialogue of mutual support and cooperation between the two communities. As Lorenzo's term in office is set to end in a matter of weeks, I ask him to share more of his important memories as well as moments of recognition of the legacy he leaves to the Italian community and to convey a goodbye message to the people who he served and built strong relationship with over the past five years.
1: It's hard to to put it in a few words because I love very much our community here. At the end of my mandate, I am very happy, first of all, to have reached certain goals given to me by, by my administration, by my ambassador, and that we wanted to reach. I definitely feel that the Italian American community here in San Francisco is, uh, is much more united. There are a lot of different uh, associations that were put under one hat. So I'm very happy to have been part of building and shaping this new federation of associations that works, I think, in a much more effective way. Towards the local authorities, from a high-tech perspective and an industry perspective, so many different things have changed. Our country has changed in these five years, and I am very happy to say I've I've worked for more than four years on the project of building an innovation center for Italy here in San Francisco. Finally, it's it's starting. It's being built, and I think that is another wonderful. A result that I think will benefit Italian companies in Italy, but as well the high-tech community here that will be able to interact more easily with our industrial world. From an academic point of view, I have supported very much the creation of the East Neff Bay area chapter. And in 2017, we created this network of Italian researchers and scientists. On the database now, there are more than 250 that have registered. The other great institution like the Museo Italo-Americano has found a new home. And I'm very happy that together with my wife, Sheila, we've helped in bringing them there and and supporting them with with fundraising for the Museo. And uh, I really feel that the community has grown in an incredible way. Both the older part of the history of the community, the Italian-American community, and the new community that came in more recent years, And I think Italy will be even more visible and prominent in the years to come. And so I feel very satisfied that we've reached all together these very important goals. And uh, I really want to underline that these results never come from one single person. They come from teamwork, from so many people in the Italian community that believed in this project and supported me. So I'm Leaving, of course, with the sadness of leaving so many friends and uh, a an fantastic, extraordinary community in the Bay Area. And allow me to say as well in the rest of the West Coast that is under the jurisdiction of this consulate. Seattle, there's a wonderful community. In Portland, there's a wonderful community. In Salt Lake City, in Honolulu, Montana, in Idaho, in Alaska. I mean, they're, they're all wonderful representatives of the Italian community that I've met along these years. It's a sweet and sour moment, as always, for us, if we love the place where we've been. My wife, Sheila, and I have created wonderful friendships, long-standing friendships that I know will take with us in Rome, but at the same time, I am satisfied, and I'm very confident that the future of Italians in the Bay Area is going to grow stronger and stronger.
0: Lorenzo Urtona will return to Rome at the end of June. The Innovation Center for Italy in San Francisco will be launched soon. For more information on the Italian Consulate of San Francisco, visit the website www.consanfrancisco.estery.it. The next segment features Angelo Greco, principal dancer at the San Francisco Ballet. Angelo tells the story of relocating from La Scala to San Francisco so that he could dance on stage every night and how he felt when the pandemic ended the season abruptly and the world of performing arts stopped. Join me. Letters to Italy is produced, edited and hosted by me, Sara Marinelli. This series was made possible thanks to the support of Comites of San Francisco and the Italian Consulate of San Francisco, with funding from the Italian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation. I am grateful for their support. Thanks for listening.